3: Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Gilio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215 592 949 for reacting to the Dave Dabrowski Sam Full press conference today. We could also continue to talk about the Eagles. I, I don't believe the team was exposed on Monday. That's not the word I would use. I've heard that E word out there often with the Eagles, so we'll have that in the, in the mix as well. But I, I want to have a little hot stove check in here after listening to Dave Dabrowski because. It was quite interesting listening to all of the different uh, parts of that press conference. Here's what I wrote down. I wanted to react to all these different things with you guys. Um, First thing, now we did the Bryce Harper thing earlier. I don't think we're going to see him uh, back in the lineup until June at the earliest, maybe July. That, you know, the the extra month and a half uh, post when the regular season ended to now. It's a big deal. Now, we'll see. Now, if it's not Tommy John, this could change. It's all subject to what they find there. But just the messaging, the wording, the fact that this injury happened the second week of April, we are trending towards Thanksgiving. I didn't realize he's having the surgery day before Thanksgiving. Isn't that a weird time to have surgery? Isn't that the
4: most popular surgery day of the year? Is, it? is that the most popular travel day of the year? Travel,
3: I get them mixed up. Yeah, I would. Um, is there a popular surgery day? <laughs> like, you know what? Give me Wednesday the sixteenth. I don't know why, and I might be
4: making this up. I'm pretty sure the most popular day to get a vasectomy is the day before
3: the NCAA tournament. Well, you're you're, you're right about that. That's that's. I don't know if it's a fact, but I've heard it. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard the same thing. you And <laughs> I didn't just make that up. No, I, that's been out there. And I get that one right. Like. From what it seems like, you can't really move. You got to lay on the couch with a, a ice on you for a couple days. So, I do that anyway. Yeah, right. So, but at least there's basketball on for 12 hours a day. So, and it's it's basketball you want to watch anyway. So, I get that. I never heard of the day before Thanksgiving surgery, but whatever. That's when Bryce Harper's going to go under the knife next week. Co- other things from Nebraska, I thought were interesting. I thought he was pretty honest and critical of Nick Castellanos, talking about. How he swings and he swings at too many pitched outside the strike zone. He doesn't have great plate discipline, and it came back to bite him. I also think little bit excuse making with the the Castellanos year we had here. Am I wrong? Did did not Kyle Schwerber sign here late? Did he not have to move cities? And I think he him and his wife recently had a baby as well. I think he went through all those same changes as Nick Castellanos. And he hit 46 regular season home runs and six more in the playoffs.
4: And Nick Castellanos got off to a hot start. Didn't Nick Castellanos also hit a home run on opening day?
3: Uh, Opening day or the next day?
4: Yeah, like, and he hit, I think, 300 through the month of
3: April. Like, he didn't start
4: sucking until middle of June or
3: July. Yeah, I mean, like, just a little excuse. Make. Now, the party brought up about the oblique injury. We've talked about that. I think there might be something to that because you look at when that oblique injury happened, how short he was out, when he came back, no rehab assignment, right back in, boom, playoffs. It was probably difficult for him to to get his timing back. So I'll give Castellanos that one. But I, I just think there's been a lot of excuse making. Well, you know, I moved and I signed late and we had a baby and everyone knew I lived at Ben Simmons' house. Uh, you know, just hit, man. Like, just... Just hit next season. And they're going to need him. They're going to need him, but Bryce Harper missing a, a good chunk of next season. Nick Castellanos has to bounce back. But I thought it was interesting. Nebraska's talking about maybe in the offseason more of a plan. Like he has to have a, a better sh- just grasp of the strike zone. Wasn't he so easy to pitch to in the playoffs? Like, I'm not expecting him to walk a hundred times next year. That's not who he is. But if he doesn't fix his swing and and miss at outside pitches, he's not going to bounce back. Like, thats it's just too easy to pitch to him. No, I mean, especially in
4: the World Series, it felt like he was swinging at everything, no matter if it was a strike or a ball, and just praying that it hit his bat. I think there was a at bat against Hector Neris in the World Series where he just threw him five straight sinkers out of the
3: zone, and he swung at three of them. Right, and it was bad. So the Castellanos thing was interesting. Now, how about them referring to Bryson Stott as their second baseman? I mean, like— and I, I didn't get a chance to listen to the full Topper uh, presser, Tucker, but you said that that continued with Topper. Yeah, he was even more effusive because they they were
4: talking. I think someone asked him a question if Edmundo Sosa could play first base if uh, Reese Hoskins was DHing to start the season. Which is an which odd Which is a, a good DH option if yeah. Bryce Harper's out for the first couple months. And he said, well, no, Edmundo will probably play third and Boehm can play first. And then he kept talking about Edmundo being his shortstop. He, he never once mentioned Bryson Stott as, you know, this is what we're doing up the middle, and someone asked him, hey, you know, do you think you're going to sign Carlos Correa or a big-name shortstop? He said, well, maybe, but if we don't, we have Edmundo there. Never a mention about Bryson Stott. So I think at one point someone did ask him, did you ask Bryson Stott if he'd rather play second or, mm. or short? And he responded and, and said, Bryson told him, I just want to play in the majors.
3: Well, I like that attitude. I mean, it's it's kind of the opposite of Reese Hoskins. Remember, after the year when Santana was here, and and they had to get Reese out of left field, that was a disaster. But he talked about wanting to go back to first base, and and obviously they they made that happen uh, and and moved Santana. But I, I like that attitude from Bryson Stott, and I'm glad he's he's willing to be versatile. I wonder how much of this is real and how much is leverage for the shortstops that they're chasing, right? Like if Bryson Stott, I mean, if they if they talk about a Mundo Sosa as their shortstop. They, I think the, my guess is they are trying to come off not desperate to Trey Turner, not desperate to to Xander Bogarts or whoever. You know, I'm not sure if they're going to really chase Swanson and Correa, but it certainly seems like Bogarts, based on the report last weekend by John Heyman and Turner, we know about are are certainly possibilities. I wonder if it's like we have an option. We tra- we trade we traded for this guy last summer. He's we like Edmundo Sosa. I'm just not sure if I buy that they think he could play every day. It seems off.
4: Yeah, but if you were trying to not seem desperate, wouldn't you put your former first-round pick at shortstop? I, I think yeah. almost admitting that Bryson Stotts, your second baseman, is putting a big sign between second and third right now that says vacant.
3: Well, that that's a good point. Um, either way, they have to fill a spot. And I think they're going to. I mean, just the way they, they spoke in this press conference, they're, they're going to sign a middle infielder. I mean, even Howard asked if they sign um, – you know, one significant middle infield, is that it? And then that was the answer is basically yes. They're gonna they're gonna g I mean they're gonna get someone to play the middle infield. I think a worst case scenario is Segura comes back to play second base. Like if they strike out on all these guys, what are they gonna do then? I mean I, I don't I just I guess I don't really buy they would just play Edmundo Sosa every day at shortstop next season. No, and you do have some depth up the middle
4: with Sosa, with Stan and even you can throw Nick Maton on yeah. into that group, but that's not good enough to get it done in the postseason. No, no. I, mean, I like Edmundo Sosa. I like Nick Maton. I think they're winning ballplayers, but I don't think they're everyday major
3: leaguers no, at this point in their careers. They're not. So I, I think they will, will get a, a significant upgrade in the middle of the field. Um, another thing that was interesting, it was a short question answer part, but it was brought up that Aaron Nola, who again finished fourth in the NL Cy Young, and that came out tonight. He has, They picked up his options. He has, He's a free agent next offseason. And Dabrowski and was asked, would they have any sort of extension conversation with him? And he didn't say yes, but he, he basically said, we would like to have Aaron Nola around for a long time. I wonder if they do broach that. I mean, I guess you worry about an injury and then you're wasting money if he has a significant injury, but he, he's amazingly durable. He's really good. And I would think Aaron Nola would take less money now. Like whatever the contract he gets now, let's say they add three years to the deal. If he got to the free agent market next year, he's going to be offered more. I mean, he, that's just the way it works at free agency. Someone gets desperate, a team desperately needs a starting pitcher, a big market team, you know, is like, "Uh-oh, we had a bad year. We need to start like he'll get paid more in the uh, in on the open market than he would on a Phillies contract." So I I could see them broaching that this offseason. I wonder and it depends on on what happens. But
4: if they sign a big like, let's say they sign Carlos Rodon, which hasn't necessarily been linked, but let's say it happens. I would argue that they might be preparing for life without Aaron Nola. He has been incredibly durable, but he's also going to be 30 years old this year and has 1,200 innings under his belt in his career. I I could see a point where they basically try to bolster their rotation this year, roll out three guys who you could claim are aces and and wheeler Nola and a a big-time free agent, and then move on from Nola after 2023 and Let Painter, let McGarry, let Abel come up and and try to take that spot.
3: So as I look right now, I I just pulled up um, the pitching class for next year. We know this year is really good, right? It's Jacob deGrom, it's Justin Verlander, it's Carlos Rodon. Uh, I'm just looking very quickly. If I am Aaron Nola's agent, I'm not taking an extension. Because I think you can make a case that if Aaron Nola has a normal Aaron Nola year, he's the number one pitcher on the market next offseason. Now, I don't know. I mean, like, Jacob DeGrom could have an opt-out. I'm not, like, I'm just guessing the guys that are going to sign this year take multi-year deals. Ready for these names? And and factor in his his age compared to some of the older guys. Carlos Carrasco. Alex Cobb. Hugh Darvish. Hugh Darvish is, that'd be close, but he's older. Fle- Jack Flaherty. Lu- uh, Lucas Giolito had an era like five this year. Sonny Gray. Clayton Kershaw. But doesn't it feel like Kershaw just does one-year deal with the Dodgers? I think he'll keep playing for the Dodgers until they tell him to go home. Yeah, he doesn't count. Lance Lynn. Kenta Maeda, Tyler Maley, Herman Marquez, Miles Michaelis, Frankie Montas, Jordan Montgomery, Charlie Morton, Nola, Jaco Odorizzi, Shohei Otani. So he'd be the number one. Ot- Otani would be one, but he's just like a unicorn. Eduardo Rodriguez, Hunjin Ryu, Scherzer has an opt-out. He's like 43 at this point. Uh, Luis Severino, Blake Snell, Marcus Stroman, Julio Urias, Alex Wood. I think he's two behind
4: Sh- Otani. And Hotani's a, an alien, right? He he gets viewed in, in a
3: completely different lens than everyone else on that list. I mean, if I had to guess right now, if, if Nola gets the free agency next year off a normal Aaron Nola year, another top 10 finish at Cy Young, is he getting like 5 150? I think he would be well on his rights to
4: ask for $30 million a year, which yeah. would double his salary, right? I think he only makes around 15 or 16 right
3: now. Yeah, I, I this is the first time I'm looking at next year's free agent class. I that might be why they broach him to an extension. If the, he signs it, great. It, but if I'm, I'm his agent. I'm like, <laughs> Aaron, we got to go to free agency here next year. So that's interesting. Now the other thing they talked about was starters in the open market, like who they might bring in this year. Dombrowski, I didn't get the sense he's itching to sign a ace kind of pitcher. Now maybe he does. Maybe I mean he could be playing possum here. And maybe it's Rodon or it's Verlander, who he has, obviously, history with. But just the way he was talking about his top three, you know, with Wheeler, Nolo, um, and, of course, Ranger Suarez. And he, he, off, he mentioned, I think, two or three times, Bailey Falter, Christopher Sanchez, those guys at the back end. And then we know Andrew Painter is going to have a chance to win a rotation spot. I didn't get a sense listening today... That they're going to dive in and offer a starting pitcher $30 million a year. M- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe one of these guys markets craters like Castellanos. I could see that. If for some reason in the middle of January Rodon is sitting out there, I could see a story emerging where, you know, Ver- um, Dabrowski goes to Middleton and says, hey, we got to go get this guy, like they did with Castellanos last year. But I don't, it doesn't seem like a priority.
4: No, and the fact that they seemed so eager to, give a rotation spot to Bailey Falter. They mentioned Christopher Sanchez a yep. few times, which I thought was interesting, or or Andrew Painter. It, it feels like they're okay kind of rolling with their top three in the rotation being Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, and kind of filling it out through there. The unfortunate thing is the guy that they're looking for, a number four starter who can throw 150 innings and pitch to a 4-5 ERA, they just don't really exist anymore. right? Like you, you can't find a cheap guy who will take $6 million to do that anymore like no. the, the Joe Blantons the Jamie Moyers the guys that we've grown accustomed to seeing filling out major league
3: rotations they're all gone they are um, Ross Stripling is a name I think is interesting he was with the Dodgers for a while and then he went to the Blue Jays he pitched against the Phillies in September uh, he had a really good year he made three million last year I'm sure he's going to want a significant raise off of that so maybe it costs I don't know 12 15 a year for maybe a couple years and he's your four or your five and you kind of have some cover against uh, you know pain or not being ready or, or injuries or whatnot. So that's, but I think they'll get that kind of starter. I just don't know who it is. And again, it could be Zach Eflin. Eflin could come back here next year. And Howard asked about that. They haven't closed the door. But when Eflin turned down the fifteen million dollar option, I have to believe his agent thinks they have multi year deals. They're going to get. I, I don't. What does he get? Two twenty five, two thirty more. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I
4: feel like that seems about right, but I just don't know if he's worth that kind of money if he is yet to make it through a full season healthy. Well, like, he's shown he can be a pitcher. He's shown that he's capable of being effective in big moments. But if I'm paying $15 million for a pitcher, I need you to take the ball every fifth day. And in his career, there hasn't been a season where he hasn't missed a month or six weeks due to a variety of injuries, and his knees... They're breaking down on a
3: consistent basis at this point. And he pitched 75 innings this this year. I mean, and this was his contract year. Like he, I'm sure he's, he left spring training thinking, this is the year I have to put it together. I have to stay on the field. They got 75 innings out of him. I mean, that's it's alarming. It's almost like he's got those, like, um remember Jay Ajayi had those uh, degenerative knees. It's just his career was never going to be long. I mean, he's made over 24 starts once in his career, and that was 2019. Yeah, Was that the year he had the heavy body? Yes. Yeah, I I like Eflin, and and he gave them some some important innings, but it's going to be... I wonder if he goes to a team that is really smart that can manage him the right way. Couldn't you see him as a Dodger? Do you think
4: that he can find a role in a bullpen? Because I don't think he was effective enough as a bullpen piece in the postseason to turn that into a a full-time job. Probably not, but
3: you know how like, teams now use bulk relievers? Couldn't you see him as a Dodger, and they're like, we'll we'll take care of you. You come over here, we'll figure it out. You give us 110 innings, we'll figure it out. Sometimes you're out of the bullpen, you might make 15 starts. I could see them making him better. I mean, because he's got good stuff. That curveball he had at times this year was outstanding. It's going to go one of two ways. He's going to go to a bad team, and we're and he's going to get hurt, and we're going to forget about him in two years. Like, oh, what happened to Zach Eflin? Or I could see him with a smart team who, who thinks they could figure out the right way to use him and keep him healthy, not push him, and it'll be really effective. It wouldn't – for some reason the Dodgers stand out as a team, they're like, all right. Because they lost Tyler Anderson already to the um, Angels. And Anderson was a guy that was kind of like a journeyman, decent, and then they made him really good. Yeah, I, I could see F when, uh, in some kind of place like that. The other part that was interesting, we played it towards the end there was the Reese Hoskins conversation. Obviously, the fun back and forth with Howard and Dabrowski. Dabrowski saying people yelling him when he's running about Reese Hoskins. And then the way Sam Full described Reese Hoskins. And did you notice how many was, it was about intangibles when they both talked about him? Works hard, well-liked, leader. I mean, I, I think they, they like him. And, but I also thought they were pretty fair and honest about who he is as a player. I mean, I think Dabrowski twice in that thing said, he's not a gold glover. And he kind of laughed at the idea he ever would be a goal glover and and talked about how his streakiness is what it is. You take the good with the bad. I do think, and I know a couple weeks ago in the season and I said I want them to move on from Reese Hoskins. I thought they should. I would assign Anthony Rizzo, who went back to the Yankees already and, uh, and moved on from Reese Hoskins. That's not going to happen now. I think the Bryce Harper elbow surgery makes it way more likely Reese is back. Because if they're missing Bryce's power for half the season, and who knows what kind of hitter he is next year anyway when he comes back off of potentially Tommy John, I left today feeling like Reese Hoskins is going to be here next year because I don't know if they have a better choice.
4: I wonder if he's a guy that they can dangle in a trade deadline deal. right? If he's going to start the season as a DH, which I think we all agree kind of makes more sense and fits his profile. If Bryce Harper comes back by the middle of July and he's capable – of swinging a bat and he might not be able to play the outfield yet. And you have to put Reese Hoskins back at first base after three months of kind of sitting on the bench and only using his bat. I wonder if they find themselves in a contending spot and they're fighting for a playoff spot or a wild card berth, whatever it may be. I wonder if they kind of dangle Reese Hoskins out there and try to get a middle of the rotation starting pitcher or, you know, a back end of the bullpen guy. I wonder if he becomes – a trade ship if Bryce Harper's unable
3: to throw the ball come July 15th. He could be, yeah. I mean, I, I still would be surprised if Reese is here beyond next season. I mean, I just don't know how he fits long-term, signing him. You know, I, I don't know what kind of deal he gets because he's a limited player and probably better as a DH, but he's consistently a pretty good slugger. Like, is he get, you know, in the open market next offseason, three years, $60 million, something like that, maybe? Like, but again, if they sign a Trey Turner or a Bogarts this offseason, we're talking about $20 million, 25 or $30 million on that player. We just talked about how Nola's going to command at least 20 25 maybe 30 in the open market. You, are, you have Wheeler, you have Bryce, you have Castellanos, you have Schwarber, you have Real Muto. I mean, like it's a very top-heavy payroll if both Reese and Nola are back a year from now. And that's not even really including what they do this offseason with potentially star shortstop. So I still think Reese's days are numbered. But I, I will say that I think today and the way they framed it all today, it's it's way more likely, and it's probably almost a sure thing, he's, as as Dave Dabrowski said, the leading candidate to be the opening day first baseman is Reese Hoskins. Should we put together a poll? See what people think? See what people want to
4: see as their leading candidate? We should. Um, Are we electing a first baseman? Should it be like last year with pick the quarterback? I know we shouldn't talk about that, but that really didn't
3: work out. We kind of got that one wrong. Well, as a station. I mean, I, I tried to lead everyone. I, I can only lead the horses to water. I can't make anyone. I I was pushed back by everybody. Was anybody else our, on Hertz? It was few and far between. I, the, the camera was on Rogers. Marks was on Russell Wilson. Right. Was um, Ike
4: with you on Hertz?
3: I think he was. I think he was by the end. Uh, I, I there was there, Deshaun Watson was, was popular because of his youth. And... Uh, maybe getting him for cheaper than that turned into a not, and he's coming back by the way in two weeks. Uh, was there any? I guess the draft was the other option. The drafts, or yeah, I think that was about it. But Rus- did Russell Wilson win as the, he sta- did. He he as the station? He was the consensus choice. Yeah, the station pick was was Russ. Who... The station. <laughs> One guy got to pick. Yeah, I know. It, yeah, you know what? You win some, you lose some. Oh, here's the good thing: the Eagles did not listen, because otherwise, could you imagine how bad it'd be if Russell Wilson was the Eagles quarterback? Would Jalen Hurts still be here? Like imagine if they traded for Russell
4: Wilson, dumped Jalen Hurts in Denver, and he was having this kind of season.
3: Oh my goodness. I mean, I honestly Howie would we'd be talking about firing Howie. Even yeah, though, I mean the entire city would be burning to the ground. Yeah, even though we were the ones that would have been said yes to this as a station, we would then say how you? That's are why you don't listen to us. How you're a moron. You trading with this cooked quarterback from Seattle. What a joke. 2155929494. It's how you hop aboard we come back. I want to read to you something that is is literally from the Hall of Fame. Literally from the Hall of Fame. I'm staring at it right now and it is an anniversary on WIP today. We'll hit that next on Sports Radio 94 WIP.
5: Put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. Coming up at 10. Uh Wednesday night party. Hang. So Wednesday night hang. Hang. I thought it was, the, the, what, that's Monday night hang? I think it's always a hang. Uh, no, I thought there's different things with Jody, different nights of the week. That was the whole with thing. With their buddy pal and amigo? Well, of course, yes. But Jody Mack coming up at uh, 10 p.m. tonight, so so stay tuned for that. Uh, we got a lot to hit on. This um, might be our most action-packed segment of, of the show Save tonight. the best for last. We did, which we try to do that sometimes. I'm not sure where we should start. We have three things that I'm so excited to talk about. I guess we'll start with the anniversary, and then we'll move to the, uh, the funny stuff. So I... Full disclosure, I didn't even realize this until I was driving in today. So I was driving in and I I heard um, Jack doing his top five at five, and and it was something to the effect of the top five ways that the Marks and Reese show has changed the city of Philadelphia or left their imprint on the city of Philadelphia over the last five years because today is the five-year anniversary of the Marks and Reese show, which congratulations to them, and they've had a a great run doing that show together. But that also means that's the five-year anniversary of, of me hosting the evening show and hanging out with you guys every night because, of course, before five years ago, John Marks was doing this show and I was doing all sorts of various shifts, you know, 10 to 2s, weekends, after Eagles games, whatever. Um, and then about five or six days before today, so I guess sometime last week, if we're going back in time, uh, it switched and and Marks had a chance to go to afternoons and I took over for him at evenings and we, it's been that way since. So... It's pretty cool. Um, I didn't realize it was five years today, but thank you for listening for the past five years. Five is a weird number. It's like it feels more official than four. Like I don't remember the, was there a four year anniversary for Marks and Reese last year? I don't remember. That. Probably not. Yeah, five feels like a thing. I don't know why. Like, what's the difference? Because it's halfway to ten. It's just a, it's like a, a symmetrical number. I think so. Okay. Are you hoping to get to ten? Um, I'm just I'm just glad I'm here. I, I get to be here every night. This is awesome. Um, but I, congratulations to Marks and Reese. And this how about this, the station, because that means the station. And I know, you know, obviously, Joe and John are going to the, the morning suit, But the station has had continuity from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. for five years. That's pretty rare. The last move was Jack moving to afternoons. Right. And that's that's it. I mean, you're even behind, you know, the glass producer continuity. It's been so, so steady for, I guess, what is it now, two and a half years, three, three years. I think I started working with you in September September. of 2019. Yeah. So, so, so total uh, continuity for three years. And uh, in terms of the shows, the hosts, five years of continuity. It's about time we shook things up. Well, that's what, that's what I think the plan is is coming uh, with the camera to move to mornings. But that's, I'm just as someone who's listened and been a part of this now for whatever years, like that's pretty rare. What we've had going on here for a while is pretty rare, and you guys keep listening, so obviously something's been going right. So, uh, thank you for being part of this and, and listening for the past three years with Tucker and I, and, and the two years before that with Jack uh, in the evenings. Five years, decent run, I would say. It's been fun. Yeah, I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I, uh, I I've had a lot of fun doing this, and including segments like this where we get to. I just want to read to you. So there's a a computer, you know, screen in front of me here. There's actually a few. Um, one has, like, when you call in, your name's up on the screen, I press the button, and, and you're up. There's there's one next, man. I don't even know what this one does over here. You ever seen this computer? There's another monitor over here. Uh, is that, like, the hotkeys? It might be. I think there's a hotkey one over there, but okay. no one's ever touched it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Marks uses Marks it. Marks has his own hotkeys, but he sits in the other studio. <laughs> right, in the Marks room. Yeah, I, I guess if I wanted to play my own sound or press things, I, I, I don't mess with that. But then there's another uh computer screen in front of me and and I usually just use this one to watch games like I'll stream baseball games or basketball games. And but th- there's a new background, like a, a desktop background. And I it, I believe I am looking at a photograph of the Al Morganti plaque at the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm not sure on this, but just the way it's worded, there's a very well-done artist rendition of Al Morgan. Have you seen this? I have. Oh, it, it's, it makes Al kind of look, I mean, he looks. it looks like him. It's well done. But it's also like, what if Al was a movie star? Yeah, I, I do think when people,
4: like, that's going to hang forever, right? Right. When people think Al Morgan,ty like, that's
3: his lasting legacy, he should look as good as possible. Yeah, I would say he's he looks less disheveled there than he does, like, in the mornings I've seen him. Yeah,
4: like maybe Al after he slept until 8 or 9
3: instead of 2.30 <laughs> or 3. Right. So here's what it says. The, uh, Al Morganti, the 2022 Elmer Ferguson Award recipient. And then I think it says the same thing in French. Um, graduating from Boston University's College of Communication, Al Morganti began his career at the Boston Globe. He moved to Atlanta in 1979, joining the Atlanta Constitution, primarily covering the NH- primarily covering the NHL's Atlanta Flames. When the Flames departed for Calgary at the end of the season, Morganti was recruited by the Philadelphia choir to add some bite to their NHL coverage of the hometown Flyers, and he would provide just that for the next decade. He joined ESPN as a writer, reporter, and on-air contributor prior to the national broadcast in 1992 before returning to Philadelphia in 2003 to work on the Flyers pre and post, and then it cuts off. But I feel like, I feel like we got... Hockey history in front of us here uh, we, we some of us made like a video for Al last week I, it was an email out like you want to give a tribute and I I when I did mine I I I said like Morganti, Gretzky, Howe. like he's part of that now like there's some I know writers are, or contributors to sports are different but like that's true like if you ask me name four names that are in the hall of Hockey Hall of Fame I could look at you square in the face and say Gretzky, Howe, Lindros Morganti. Is that a play off the Seinfeld line where it's Ruth Gehrig, DiMaggio, Mantle, Castancer?
4: <laughs> yes, but it's true, though. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's unbelievable for something that I think a lot of people hear. And I know he's done way more in hockey than he has in radio, but I think of Al as a radio host who also does hockey. I, I do mean, too. he's
3: excelled at a Hall of Fame level at his side gig. That's pretty incre- incredible. Yeah. Um, So I I guess the question then begs is, who is our next Hall of Famer? I mean, Ray Dittinger, pro football Hall of Famer and a big part of WIP's history. Al Morganti, pro hockey Hall of Famer and a big part of WIP's history. When's the next Hall of Famer? Well, I think we have to get a basketball Hall of Famer in there. Uh, Sonny? That was going to be
4: my guess.
3: I'm half joking, half wondering who the next possible Hall of Famer is. Do we have a baseball Hall of Famer? I I mean, no. I mean, Jack probably thinks it's him. Yeah, I I mean, I'm going to put the pause button on that one. I I don't think we got the path to the Hall of Fame. I I mean, I honestly don't know if we have anyone right now who could be on the path to the Hall of Fame.
4: I do think it's interesting. There is a generational gap kind of between those guys, guys like Al and Ray, and you can even throw Glenn and Angelo and everybody else in that mix, Howard. And then there's a lot of people like us who are – under the age of 40 and
3: have no business being in a conversation like this. I also think the way media has changed over the years, there's a lot more people covering the team in a, in a, in a different way. So, like, I think of Ray at one point was like the voice and, and writer of record for the Eagles, right? His, his opinion on the Eagles matter more than anyone, and I think that's part of the reason he's a Hall of Famer. He was, he was the writer-slash-opinion-maker on football in Philadelphia for a very long time. Same thing you could say with Al, right? For hockey, but like now we have a million people that cover the team in different variety of ways, whether it's writing, podcasts, talk shows. Like I don't know how we're going to have Hall. Like, are we going to have forget WIP? Are we going to have media Hall of Famers twenty five years from now? Once this once this wave finishes, like Jason Stark, Tim Kirchin, Al Morgani. Like when they're done. Are we going to have future Hall of Famers? It is interesting because people don't really all gather
4: at one voice now, and that doesn't have to be a physical gathering, but people don't all read the same newspaper or website anymore. People don't all turn to the same radio station or or TV channel to react to games and stuff. It's It's fractured. It's incredibly fractured, and I think the sports media landscape is probably better for it because there are a lot lot more outlets, but as a result, you kind of don't have those titans of the industry anymore.
3: I, I'm just – I'm trying to understand if, if we are going to one day go to Canton and see a picture of Elliot. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> what are the odds on Elliot making the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Well, I, I mean, here's my case for why he, he might have a chance. Like, he started covering the team at a very young age, in his mid-20s. I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's – I mean, I, I assume he's going to do this for a very long time. I, I don't know if – I don't know if it's going it, to – like, it just – I'm not sure if we're going to have Hall of Famers at all moving forward with media. It's going to be different in terms of that. But how about that? <laughs> I have some laughing thinking of it. I would set his Hall of Fame odds at like plus 1350. Right. Like a longer shot, but not, you know, plus 5000. No. Yeah. that That's your next Hall of Famer from Philadelphia that covers one of the teams may just be Elliott Parks. I mean, and he's obviously associated with WIP, which would be great. All right. Um, let's go back to the lines here, and then I, I want to play for you something that shocked me when I heard it from Shaquille O'Neal last night. Let's talk to John and Brynmar talking to Phillies reacting to Dabrowski today. What's up, John? Hey, what's up, Joe? How are you? Good, John. What are you thinking tonight?
0: Oh, uh, lots of things. Uh, first of all, Elliot in the in the Hall of Fame. Oh
3: man, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out who the next about, Philadelphia uh, Marcus? Hall- who? Marcus. Marcus Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. And now, as a, I mean, you, I'm trying to like. Usually, when I think of Hall of Famers, they put people in that like cover a team. And Marcus, I think of as is a great columnist, but he certainly could be in a Hall of Fame. I just don't know which sport he would go in because you know he he's a columnist for all the teams.
0: Yeah, but he he's pretty he's pretty solid.
3: Oh, no. sure. Yeah, Marcus is a very good writer. I like Marcus. You know what I mean? Yeah. So
0: you never know. They they does it have to be one sport?
3: No, I mean it does it doesn't. I mean there's different Hall of Fames and 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 uh, acknowledgments yeah. and awards. Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: not too familiar with the, like the sport writer side of the right. name. Um But anyway, so with the Phillies, uh, oh man, uh, Dombrowski talking about uh, Reese. Um, I, don't, I don't. I'm scared of that. Um, who Who could we move to first? Schwarber possibly, right?
3: Schwarber's possibility. Bones. Bones. Bones is a possibility. Schwarber's contract. Yeah. So he signed a four-year, eighty million dollar deal. Oh, so four
0: years, okay. So we're
3: we're looking at about three and sixty left on yeah, that.
0: so we got him and Castellanos. Um, oh man, I was. I don't. I, I like Boehm at third, though. He, um, you know, he's improved a lot.
3: Oh, he got way better. Yeah, I mean, he he became playable over there. Uh, so you know, it wasn't yeah, a disaster.
0: He, and he uh, he made some nice spears. What, what um what series was that? Atlanta.
3: Uh, the Atlanta series. Yeah, I mean, the whole time I I thought, and in that uh, the St. Louis series, I thought he outplayed Arenado defensively.
0: Oh, absolutely, but yeah, I like him, and um, I I really do like Stott. I, I move him to second, and I think we need you know let's get a, a shortstop and, and another. I'd rather have a starter than a reliever for sure.
3: Well, they, um, they need, yeah, John, the, the need for a starter is pretty serious. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they but they also are going to need to make some moves for relievers, too, because right now, and Dombrowski mentioned it, right now they have Alvarado, Dominguez, Brogdon, Bilotti. That's kind of it in the bullpen. They're going to need to get another, you know, pitcher or two down there.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we have, we, we have the money. Um, it, It's funny you were talking about um, Dombrowski jogging, and you can catch up with him. Uh, and Middleton's my neighbor.
3: Oh, you is know? he? Well, yeah. te- te- when you see him next time you see him. Tell him I'd like to go for a jog with Dave Dombrowski.
0: I would love to. I want to make a football point too. Okay, go like, ahead. Everybody's got to chill about this loss. Like there was no way that our beloved Eagles were going undefeated. It's just I, I, it, I don't I don't think it was possible, and I'm kind of glad they lost so they can get that monkey off their back. You know, because I'm sure that they a lot of the players were. You know, not, I don't want to say. I don't know what word I'm trying to use. Um, Intimidate? I don't. I don't know. Like, it, you know what I mean? Having that, having that thought of going undefeated. I think you know might have ruined their concentration a little bit. I don't know, but well,
3: but, I don't know what it was, John. But they just looked totally off early in that game. Oh like, my God. And it, it's, it's what, weird because it's the first time all year we've seen that out of them.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't understand how these players at this professional level could walk onto a field and be like, yeah, we got this. Because, I mean, that's what they had to have done.
3: Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: And, like, why? But uh, I'll tell you what. It would have been really, really bad if they won with Carson. Like, if he didn't get hurt.
3: Oh, that I mean, would have been awful. No, I'm so much, I'm so happy it was Heineken and not Carson. Yeah, yeah
0: Absolutely, but uh, it was good talking to you, Joe. I appreciate it, man. You got
3: it, John. I appreciate it. Um, always good talking to John. I'm wondering, do you think John just invited himself on the jog with myself in Nebraska? or is Well, he he's the hookup. Yeah, well, he is. I, I just didn't know if he, he couldn't wait to set it up or
4: couldn't wait to come on the jog with us. I think he's probably – I mean, you're going to need someone to record it, right? Yeah. You're going to need someone to produce that segment. Sure. I mean, he's invited. I'm. I just – and I just I imagine we'd go with
3: Dave's pace,
4: right? I'm inviting. I think my you s- should invite everybody. I think it should be like that scene in Rocky Two, where Rocky's running around the city and like all the kids start chasing him. But can I have a can, can? Dave and I be in the front, like Rocky's in the front. I mean, yeah, I like to see you guys kind of leading a charge of you know 500 children through the main line.
3: Yeah, I I mean we'll go with Dave D'Brass's pace. I'm, I he seems to me like he's probably a. a it's a pretty solid runner, despite he not. It's pretty tall, but he has a long, long stride. Yeah, and and I, I think he, I've read he's he runs pretty regularly. So I mean, it's probably me that has to keep up with Nebraska, not the other way around. Even though I'm, I don't know, thirty years, thirty years as junior. Yeah, I, I think he, him, and I are probably in the same running uh, wavelength. Alex, the passing. Hey, Alex, what's going on, Joe? What's up, buddy? What are you thinking? Listen,
6: uh, the well, I I I do think the Eagles' loss is like a it's a, it's a bit like oh, Jesus Christ, what happened? But I think there's some good explanation for why it happened. And I think while while a large part of it was on the run defense, the run defense was atrocious. It was a disgrace. Was like four yards to carry, is, you can't win football games when, when that's happening. But what's more concerning to me is we saw – 2021, beginning of 2021 season, Nick Sirianni play calling in that, and at least the first half.
3: Well, they didn't run the ball. Miles Sanders was basically not there.
6: Yeah, right? How many times did we run the ball uh, with a running back in the first half? It was like four or something like that. Something ridiculous, right? When when you see what he does in the second half, right? Uh, Like, Miles Sanders was probably averaging three, four yards a carry, too. Right? So, like, we, we all know that the run game opens up the pass game and stuff like that. like the the I would say the most concerning thing for me in that game was the play calling.
3: And, um, I, and I'll throw and in Alex the decision making by Sirianni, because two things that I thought he I thought his play calling and decision making basically gave the the uh, commanders six free points. So the end of the first half, he calls the three straight passes. They go three and out. They punt it back, and then they give up a field goal. So there's a field goal that didn't have to happen if they just held the ball. And then Alex, there was the play where they had the penalty, and he declined the penalty, and it gave them like a fifty-eight yard field, fifty-five yard field goal instead yeah, of I mean, if they accepted, that's it's a sixty-yard field goal. And I don't, I don't think he makes sixty. Like he basically gave them two free field goals with decision making.
6: The, the first one, I, I'm, I'm completely humble with you. Tough call, right? Like anything can happen. You give them an extra. Why don't you decline the penalty, right? So that's that's a tough one. I can understand both sides of that. But what's the the thing that bothers me, and part of this is just we live in Philadelphia, and everyone here's a psychopath. Um, like everyone's like, ah, this person doesn't have it. This person doesn't have it. We, we've seen enough football where we know the players have it. We know these guys have it. But we, we got to make sure that. Whatever Gannon's doing on defense and whatever Sirianni's doing on offense is putting them in the best position to succeed. And obviously, that's what the coaches are there for. But we can't, like, it, if we get in the pattern of, yeah, Jalen Hurts MVP, throw, 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 like, we're, we're going to get in trouble, right? Stick to the basics, stick to the run game. We win football games and we put ourselves in a position to succeed.
3: Right. And it has to be complimentary football. And Alex, I always appreciate the phone call. I mean, that's. Michael Lombardi always talks about this. Like, the offense and defense have to match each other. And I thought they struggled with that early last season. They figured it out with based on the p- personnel they had last year. They've been great at it this year with the offense kind of making the defense better by getting Lee's defense pass rush, and, and it's worked. Monday just was bad. I mean, in every way, it went uh, it went off for them. All right, I, I, I promise we'd play this from Shaquille O'Neal um, because Tucker pointed this out, and I figured, well, and he told me what he said, I said, well, we have to bring this to the air. So this is, how would I describe this? Shaq talking about the moon? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how else you could describe it. All right, there's the headline for you. Shaquille O'Neal talking about the moon last night on TNT. Oh,
6: I have a new theory. <laughs> I have a new theory. There's more than one moon. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, just, 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 let me tell you my theory. The other day I was riding past Auburn, as a matter of fact. And the moon was on the left, and I'm keep right. going straight, didn't make any turns, and about twenty minutes later, the moon was behind me. That's because it was moving, fool. Nah, it was more than one moon. <laughs> and then another forty five seconds, the moon was on my right. It's more than one moon.
3: So I, I have it now. I have an idea. He has a theory. I have an idea, and I know there's a million podcasts. There's probably too many podcasts to be honest with you. I need a new podcast, Shaq's Theories. I don't care if it's three minute episodes, whatever. I just want Shaquille O'Neal to crack open a mic. We're talking to him with his phone. I don't care. The quality doesn't matter. Theory of the day by Shaquille O'Neal. I would like him to be
4: paired with, like, a scientist. Like him and Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) Who recently made, uh, throughout
3: a theory, that we're actually living in a simulation.
4: Which we very well might be. Who am I to to disagree with that? But I'd like Shaquille O'Neal to throw out theories like that and then have a scientist tell him (laughs) why he's wrong. Because I know for a fact Shaquille O'Neal would not agree with the science. Well, I mean,
3: you you had Barkley, <laughs> he's a fool. It's moving, you fool. I think th- calling someone a fool is one of my favorite things to hear someone else like say to someone because it's not something degrading, but it, it, I think it hits you at your core. Like, you're a fool. Yeah, and like it's not as sharp, right? Like, if I call
4: you an idiot or a moron or a dope or a nitwit, it comes off a little more biting.
3: Yeah, but then no, a, a fool can be somewhat playful. Like you've been fooled. Ha ha. You're a fool. Yeah, you, 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 you messed up on that one. You, you're a fool. Oh my goodness. Um, it reminds me that the whole exchange when I was a kid and, and I'd be driving you know, in the car as a passenger. I used to think the clouds were chasing us because they were moving. And- yeah, clouds do move. Right, but, and, but I said that like one particular cra- cloud was chasing the car. Now, did that scare you, or did you think it was like a playful chase? Kind of a playful chase. I don't remember being scared of clouds. I mean, I could see why some kids, if they have the same theory as I did, may have been scared. again, I was six or five, and Shaquille O'Neal's in his 50s. Well, that's sad if he's in his 50s. Why? Because he's he's foolish and playful. That Shaquille.
4: No, I just like I remember Shaquille O'Neal as a kid when he was like twenty-seven and dunking on people and averaging forty and twenty in the playoffs. I mean, I do too. He is um, he is fifty years old exactly. It that's one of the thing that stinks about growing up is watching all your sports heroes grow old. Like well, watching Allen Iverson get old and chubby and gray. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I don't feel like Allen's aging great gracefully. No, and also, like, he was, like, six foot, 160 pounds soaking wet. Like, he probably could have stood to, to put on some more weight.
3: Yeah, I, I wonder when it really will. I, I guess, and I don't mean to be morbid, I guess things like this will hit us when some of the greats that we watch as kids get to the age where they start passing away. Like the, like, the day Michael Jordan's no longer with us. And he, he's not old yet. I'm not saying it's going to happen soon. But, like, that will be, like, wow. Because, you know, if he's that old, guess what it means? We're not that far off from being that old.
4: Yeah, like, it's weird that I'm, like, I watched a 2008 World Series video the other day, and they were talking about, you know, how great Cole Hamels was at the ripe age of 23. And I'm 27 now. Like, I'm four years older than he was when he won World Series MVP. You know how you know you're old? You're too old to be a prospect anymore. That did, like, I I never had pro sports prospects or even collegiate sports prospects. It did make me feel old the first time I was, like, older than people getting drafted. When, it, when I, all of a sudden it was like, oh, my dream of being a Major League Baseball player is done because I'm 24 and <laughs> haven't played a, per, uh, organized baseball in yeah. six years.
3: My age hits me when I read or I'm look, we were looking at that free agent list for next year. I'm like, well, he's old. That guy's old. No one wants him. And they're all younger than me. Yeah, like Bryce Harper was so young when the Phillies— signed him he was the same age i am now yep and and now you're not young anymore all right fun show tonight uh back tomorrow of howard on at six we have jody mack up next a wednesday night hang with the mack man you guys have a great night. we will talk tomorrow on sports radio 94 wip
2: t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours